with us this morning. We're glad you're here. We're glad for the opportunity to worship and study the scriptures with you. And we are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. But before, I, before you turn there, or if you're already there, you can kind of mark it, we're going to begin in Acts chapter 20. That'll sort of set the table for where we want to go in 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm so grateful for my brother Dan filling in last week while I was gone and finishing chapter 4 for us. And just that reminder, as Peter returned again one more time to that, the topic of suffering and how to faithfully walk with Jesus in the midst of these hard things that we face as followers of Jesus Christ. And drawing that parallel between what Peter's talking about and how Stephen lived that out and, and modeled that through his persecution, which ultimately ended in his, his death and being ushered into glory. And as we turn to our text this morning, Peter is going to exhort the believers there regarding elders. And what we find in Acts chapter 20 is... Um, is Paul getting ready to say goodbye to the Ephesian elders? And the reason we turn here is he, he says a couple of things to them that I think will really help set the table for us in 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you're in Acts chapter 20, it says in verse 17, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia... How I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there. Except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And I know that none of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God." Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. You can see that these are people who are very dear to the Apostle Paul. They're precious to his heart. He spent three years among them, exhorting them, preparing them, teaching them the word of God. And he's saying goodbye to them because he's getting ready to depart. And he sort of has this idea that this is the last time he's ever going to see them again. It's a very emotional and a touching scene. Even as you read on, you can see them just weeping and you can picture them in your mind's eye, um, you know, just, just hugging one another and, and the emotion of this moment. 
But in the midst of this goodbye, he exhorts the elders in that church. We saw that in verse 17. He sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. And these, these are the spiritual leaders, as we're going to see them in a moment in 1 Peter chapter 5. These are the spiritual leaders of the church who are entrusted with caring for the flock. And did you notice the exhortation he leaves them with in verse 28? He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. These elders, we get a picture from Acts 20, 28, that their job was to look out for their own lives, to make sure that they were walking with Christ, and that they were also to look out for the flock whom the Holy Spirit had made them overseers, those who were to look after the people of God, to shepherd the church of God. These were the pastors, the overseers, of the church at Ephesus. Well, that is our background. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. And we'll read these verses and note a few different things with regards to Peter's closing exhortation to the elders who were among these Christians in Asia Minor. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We have here in today's passage an exhortation to the elders, to the spiritual leaders who were over God's people there in Peter's day. These were those who had been entrusted with caring for the flock, with looking after their spiritual state. And so what we want to see, first of all, is the calling of this elder. And we'll, we'll explain. We, we've talked about elders before and the, the leadership that God has designed for his church, but we'll review it a little bit. We see here in the first couple of verses the calling of the elder. And Peter exhorts them. That's how he starts off. I exhort the elders. This is the, this is the word, uh, parakaleo. It's, it's the word that the Holy Spirit is called in the Gospel of John, the comforter. Um, it's, the, it's the word that we just mentioned in, as, as we prayed from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that God is the God of all comfort. It's, it's a word, though, that can also carry the force of an exhortation, a strong urging. A, 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 have you ever had, had somebody come alongside you with, 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 with something like this? It's not so much a command. It actually, it, it, he's going to go that way, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a pleading it's a, would you please listen to me? Because I have something urgent that I want to pass on to you. And this is crucial for you. you. You need to hear this. You need to take this in. You need to receive this. I'm pleading with you, please listen to this. That's Peter's heartbeat here. 
And so he says, I exhort the elders among you. So he's speaking to the spiritual leaders of the flock there in, in, these, in these churches that were scattered around. Now notice, as, as he uses the plural, we see this uh, over and over and over again. Uh, we saw it in the passage we read in Acts chapter 20. Every time elders are referred to in the New Testament, they're always referred to in a plural. God is not in the business of establishing a, a singular solo leader of a church who's going to run it as a dictator doing his own will and wishes. It's His desire, his plan is for that team approach. We even see that when you go back to um, the Old Testament, to Moses, who would be sort of that, if we think of like that sort of quintessential solo leader, we would often think of Moses. But if you remember right, Moses was sort of really struggling and his father-in-law comes alongside and says, listen, I think you're handling, you're trying to take on way too much, Moses. I think it would be wise for you to appoint some others to, who can be alongside of you to carry this burden. And Moses wisely listens to his father-in-law and discovered that there was a tremendous burden off his shoulders because he didn't have to do everything. When you turn to the New Testament, the, the, the picture that is painted for the church is the idea of a team of leaders leading the, the individual churches that the apostles plant. And I think that's what God calls us to. That's, that's what we, we've attempted to do here at Brown Corners is we have a team of elders. that They're not just a, they're not just a board. They're not just policymakers. But we're, we're working towards having a team of shepherds to help care for the flock. And so... So Peter here says to them, as an, by way of exhortation, notice his, his sort of the, the, the way he presents himself. He says, he says, I exhort you as a, first of all, as a fellow elder. He says, I'm, I'm with you in this. I'm also someone who's caring for people. I understand the things that you're wrestling with. I understand the decisions you have to make. I'm with you in this. He also says he's a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Listen, listen, I've seen what Jesus has walked through. This is sort of one more way that he's encouraging the believers there to be faithful in the midst of suffering. Listen, he says, I've, I watched Jesus suffer. I was there, even though he was, he was MIA through part of it, through his disobedience and his, his rejection of Christ. He says, listen, I, I know what it was like for our Savior to walk through these things. And I understand what you're experiencing. And then he says, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. What a beautiful phrase at the end of verse 1. You and I are fellow sharers in the glory that's about to be revealed. What just kind of a precious language to sit with for a moment. That, that this isn't just for the elders, this is for all of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. We share in the glory about to be revealed. We, eye has not seen nor ear has heard what awaits those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ. And we get to be fellow sharers in that glory. But here's his, his exhortation to them. As we think about the calling of an elder, he says, first of all, shepherd God's flock among you. This is a command now. He, he wants them to care for. The, the, the word shepherd is the, is the Greek word where we get pastor from. 
shepherd is the is, is the is the way to is, is just a, it's a great term. It's a it's a there, there's so much involved in this picture. When we think about that metaphor, that that picture, Jesus Himself said that He was the good shepherd. He was someone who laid down his life for the flock. He was someone who pursued the wandering. He was someone who cared for and tended to the flock, made sure their, their needs were met. That's the calling of an elder, the calling of a pastor, to, to care for the spiritual needs of God's people. He says, shepherd God's flock among you. Take care of them. Elders are God's ordained means of leading a church. One, read, one writer defines biblical eldership this way. He says, biblically speaking, elders are pastors who are overseers. The person in a church we typically call pastor is a paid elder, and the person in a church we typically call an elder or an overseer is an unpaid lay pastor. In biblical terminology, elders are the shepherds, the overseers. They're lead to lead and care for the church. In fact, we see all three terms in this passage that refer to elders in the New Testament. We see them all bundled up in this one passage. He calls them elders in verse 1. And then in verse 2, he says, shepherd them. And then in verse... Um, Okay, uh, yeah, it's also in verse 2. Shepherd God flock among you and not overseeing. They're called overseers. That's, that's the Greek word for elder. So he's, 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 he says, listen, I want you to understand that you guys are the spiritual leaders of this group, of this gathering, and you're to care for their spiritual needs. Now, the Bible doesn't spell out every need, every detail of what church leadership should look like. There's, there's flexibility and there's, there's, it's open to to nuance and to individual cultural um, expression in, in different places, but the, 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 what, what does seem clear is that their role is, is to shepherd, is to pastor, to come alongside and care for the spiritual needs of God's people. What we see here also is uh, he, he sort of he sort of lays out their role in, in these, in, in really in verses two, uh, two and three. He says, "He says I want you to shepherd God's flock," and then he, he also mentions them as overseers. So there's a way of overseeing or looking after the the needs of the congregation, and then he's gonna he's gonna say he's gonna sort of give you an idea of of what their um, their heartbeat is supposed to be. In this, what what are as pastors and overseers, what our heartbeat should be in caring for the flock? He says, first of all, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly. How many of you ever done things out of compulsion because you had to? Right? We've all been there before, whether at work or at home, chores that you don't want to do. Like there's sort of this fine that that sort of attitude. And he says to the elders, listen, I don't want you leading in this way where you're like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Nobody else is going to do this. I'll do it. No, no, no. He says, not out of compulsion, but do it with a willing heart. Secondly, he's going to say, he said, um, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. This is interesting because, um, you know, you, you wouldn't think that this would have become a problem already in the early church, but a, he says something about it, so apparently it was becoming an issue that there were some who had found a way to make some money through the ministry 
to have some financial gain. Now, we don't see that at all in the 21st century, so this must have just been a first century issue. But man, pastors need to be on guard, especially as, you know, it's easy to like be out, out there, the people on TV, the pastors with these well, you know, high profile, high public ministry, buying personal jets and always preaching about money and how much their ministry needs it. It's easy to sort of deflect this to others. But I think everybody who is called by God to serve needs to be on guard that greed does not take over. We're not serving God for financial or material gain. He says, listen, I don't want you to do this out of a greedy heart, but do it eagerly because you want to. And then finally, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. There's no way around it. He's calling them to lead. He's calling them to care for, to lovingly shepherd the flock. These are leaders. In our culture today, we we struggle with, with leadership, with being in charge, sometimes with bosses, with authority. And it's a battle. A lot of times when we don't like something that someone in authority does, we just blow them off, write them off. It can be easy to do that. But here God is speaking to the shepherds and he says, listen, I want you to make sure that as you care for the flock, as you lead the church of Jesus Christ, that you're not lording it over, that you're not ruling with an iron fist, that you're not pushing people over and bowling them over as you try to accomplish your will. Notice that that's, that's not even in the picture. The elder is not called to do his thing. The, the, the text even says, shepherd God's flock. Every pastor needs to remember that the church is not his church. It's God's church. The people are God's people. And, and, the, and that calling or even that appointing to that position is from God. I don't know if you caught that when we read that passage in Acts, uh, verse 2028. Uh, 20, he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. Listen, it, it, it should be, uh, according to First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 3, that the elder that, or the person aspiring to the office of the elder should have that desire within his heart. Shouldn't just be doing it out of compulsion, but that desire needs to come from the Holy Spirit of God as he's leading him and calling him into that role and then equipping him. And as the church comes along and affirms that, now that doesn't mean, as, as many pastors have been guilty of, many elders have been guilty of, that they're infallible. We as pastors can't do anything wrong, but we're accountable to God for that leadership that he's entrusted us to. I wrote down here, both shepherds and flock are imperfect. Imperfect shepherds leading an imperfect flock. Trying to glorify God as we work together for the cause of the kingdom. I want to just touch briefly on these last two before we celebrate communion together. He says in verse 4, he speaks to the reward of the elder. The reward of the elder. So he says, when you live this way, 
When you care for the flock this way, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Listen, we need to remember that as pastors, as elders, that we're not living for the applause of man. We're not living for earthly rewards and earthly accolades. We're living for the chief shepherd. And when he appears, our longing should be to receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, this isn't just for elders. This is for all of us. Several times in scriptures, we're called to live our lives in a way so that when Jesus appears, we'll receive that crown. In other places, it's called the crown of life. We should long for the approval of God, not the approval of man. Some of us wrestle with this in a big way. We want people to like us. We want people to be happy with us. In fact, I just just heard the other day about um, a... uh, Someone was asking why, why, uh, why basketball coaches are always just so dramatic with foul calls and like how they're just so demonstrative, like everything is like, every call is wrong, no matter what. Can you believe that? Can you believe what the guy did? And, and, and so this guy asked his friend who was a coach, he said, why are you guys always like this? Everything's so dramatic, every call. He says, you want to know why? Because it, human nature is we want to be liked. And no matter, how, no matter what kind of a personality that ref is, at the end of the day, he doesn't want the coach upset with him. And so at some point along the way, you're going to get a call because he doesn't want you to be upset about everything, even if it's subconsciously lodged back there. Like there's that, there's that, that, that need in, in many of us that, that we, want, we want people to like us. Even if that's not at the forefront of our mind driving everything, which would be super unhealthy, there's there's that desire to not just make people mad all the time. We should have a longing above all to please God, to live before Him, to do what brings Him honor, no matter what others' response to us will be. And then finally, we see the response to the elders. Peter says in verse 5, in the same way you who are younger be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The majority of scholars here say that he's speaking generically to all those who are under the authority of elders, both men and women, not just a younger in years, but, but sort of under that, under that umbrella of the care of the local church. And he says, listen, submit yourself to the elders. Be subject to them. Listen to them. Even if you don't always agree with them, recognize that God has placed them in authority. And again, he's not saying the elders, pastors are infallible. We're sinners too. But we, we are called to shepherd and lead God's flock in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. And he says, live with a spirit of humility towards one another. He says this, all of you, not just elders or not just church members, but listen, all of you interact with each other with a spirit of humility. Could you just, could you imagine what our lives would look like if if we were devoted to a life of humility, the the interactions that we have with one another, 
We had, a, had the privilege of celebrating our brother Jim Yost's life just over a week ago. And one of the constant testimonies, not only from my own experience, but as I spoke with family members, as many of you and those who have, have lived with Jim and known Jim even far young, longer than I have, was his spirit of gentleness and humility that permeated his life. Not just here at church, but out there and in the home. Would that our lives be so filled with this gentleness and humility that, that the world sits up and takes notice. Man, they, they're not fighting. They're not gossiping. They're not trying to one-up one another. They're not jockeying for positions. They live with this humble care for one another. That's what the chief shepherd has called us to. But you know, elders exist to care for the church of Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ exists because of the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross to draw us to himself, rising again from the dead to give victory over sin and death. And we get the privilege of celebrating that together here at the Lord's table as we reflect on the body and the bread represented by the bread, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was given to us, given for us, so that we might come together as one. Without Jesus, there, is, there are no elders, there's no church. In fact, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, there's, there's no hope either. But because of Jesus Christ and what he's done upon the cross and and then rising again from the grave, we do have hope. We do have eternal life. We do have the privilege of coming together and remembering that through the Lord's table. The juice here represents his blood that was shed for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this well-known passage, the Apostle Paul tells us, that, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have the privilege of proclaiming the Lord's death, of fellowshipping with our Lord and Savior and with one another in this way through the table this morning. I want to invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to partake along with us the, the bread, um, the, the juice. Uh, we'll be here at these stations as we, after we pray, our worship team will come up. And you can just come out of your seats and come on up and, and um, partake. If you need, um, need gluten-free bread, we have that here at the center station and You'll also see some offering plates set out in case you feel led to give to our benevolence offering, which goes to those among us who are in need. Let's just take a little time and bow before the Lord and ask, just, just expressing our gratitude for what he's done in rescuing us and in giving us hope. Let's pray.
Jesus, in this quiet moment, we say thank you. We thank you for rescuing us. We thank you for bringing us together as your family, your people. Lord God, I, I want to ask that you would give those of us who are, as, who are elders wisdom to lead and to shepherd well. We don't always get it right. We're not perfect. We long to be faithful, though. We long to care for your people well. God, I pray that as a church, we would understand what your word says about biblical leadership and authority, and that we would act with humility towards one another, and that, that as, as the shepherds seek to shepherd, that, that you may lay it on the heart of the sheep to honor the shepherds. God, would you also raise up future shepherds? Call out from among us those whom you've equipped, whom your Holy Spirit has set aside for the next generation. Whether it's to help lead locally here as, as lay elders, or whether you may be calling some among us to seek to to shepherd in, a, in, in, in sort of this full-time capacity that we normally think of for pastors. Lord, I ask God that you would give a sensitive heart to, to that person, that, that they might listen to your, your voice, even this morning. But everything that we do here, it's all just, it's all just stuff if it's not centered in Jesus. It's all just, it, it's a social club. It's a celebration gathering. I, I don't know, I don't know whatever it is. It's, it's, it's nothing without Christ. And I pray, God, that that would be the, the controlling thought in all that we do is how can we bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ in everything that we do? Not honor and glory to any of us as pastors, not honor and glory to any church members, not honor and glory anywhere else, but to, that it may all resound to the, the magnification of Jesus' name in, in this church and beyond its walls into the community and around the world. And I can think of no better place to start than around the Lord's table where we get a chance to, as a, as a community, gaze upon Jesus. Lord, Lord Jesus, as we gaze upon you this morning, May our hearts be free of distraction. May we respond to your love with love. May we respond to your sacrifice with hearts that are just busted wide open with joy and hope and a refreshed longing to know you more. Father, I pray that you're honored through our, our time around the table today. That the, that the bread and the juice would nourish hearts and knit our hearts closer together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please come.
Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of Oh. 
thank you, Father. Now the Father who loved you before the foundation of the world, the Son who set you free and made you his children, and the Counselor who stands by you forever, give you ears to hear him, hearts to crave him, and lives to reflect him. If you need prayer this morning, we'll have some people up here. Take your time. If not, you're blessed to leave. We love you. 